looking for tomorrow to come in and be the best that I can be in training and to train as hard as I possibly can and then I'll move on to the next day and that's how I've looked at my career. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Yeah, you're very welcome along. Uh, coming up on the show tonight, we have Lawrence Donegan coming on to talk Roy McIlroy, getting back to uh, winning ways, taking on the Live Boys next month. Uh, that should be interesting. We had Matt Williams on uh, earlier, was streamed, and it's well worth a listen. Just talking about the, I suppose, the abuse and the stress that Ian Foster has endured down under. They obviously lost the Kiwis to uh, Argentina at the weekend, and Argentina... An incredible form in rugby. What does this mean for Ireland, though? Are Ireland really as good as the rugby boys said they were? So we'll chat about that. And also, obviously, um, Australia's win over the Safas. Pat Nevin is our guest on the football show coming up. And I'm delighted to say Dave McIntyre and Richie McCormack are joining me. Richie, first of all, how are you? Not too bad, John. How are you? I'm good. Um, I have to get get something off my proverbial chest now in a moment. But uh, how are you, Dave McIntyre? I know. Yeah, very well, lads. Good evening. Um, okay, so... Saturday night, thinking of you, Richie. Uh, went along to see Liam Gallagher, somewhat under suffering. Oh, thinking of you, Johnny. Uh, went to Kilmainham, hadn't been at a gig before in Kilmainham, and it became quickly apparent that the queue for beer, which was a very, very restricted beer you could have, was going to take the guts of an hour in a show that was going to last for about an hour and a half. And then, as it turns out, at the Aviva Stadium, pandemonium was happening. And here are the headlines uh, from the college football game between Nebraska and Northwestern. Fans receive free beer at, Av- at Aviva Stadium after internet issues. Pandemonium at the Aviva as they are forced to give out free beer. Free beer was the right call at Dublin Games, says catering firm. Aviva Stadium fans make huge beer snake out of cups. And Cade Milafalcha drinks are free at the Aviva Stadium. Now, Richie, you're a teetotal man, but I mean, this must have, this must have tempted you from afar. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was I was I was fully ensconced in, in being at home at that time of the year in Johnny. But no, I am. Um, I'm not a massive. Um, well, I wouldn't have been anyway. A, a massive drink at sporting occasions, uh, person. Mm. I, it tends to. I think we've had this conversation before, and it's it's arose around the Aviva more than any other venue, uh, by dint of the fact that you know I think the rugby crowd are allowed to have beer during games. And other sports maybe necessarily aren't. Um, I, I I just think it takes the, the the backwards and forwards in between bars takes away from the actual uh, event itself, and we could probably happily live without it more than we probably realise. Uh, be c- condemned for being a anti-fun merchant there, but yeah, it, it's it's unnecessary and takes away from what's going on out in the pitch usually. Yeah, I I actually think, like, we've had conversations about the rugby, and I, I tend to agree, but, like, ABC News did a story on this where Ron McGowan got three or four plastic cups of Guinness, but it took 40 minutes. I missed the game. It wasn't good. In fairness, most people didn't have the cash. Nebraska fan El- Elena Cooper was already in line when she realised the beer was free. <laughs> Afterwards, she said, news travels fast. Her husband, Scott, said a man sitting next to him moved quickly. This is the last line in the piece. He took off right away and went up there to get one, he said Sunday at Dublin Airport. Dave, this must have been a pretty mad experience. As long as you didn't have cash, everything was grand. Yeah, and although it, it did seem to be the case the queues were snaking around the main thoroughfares around the Aviva Stadium. So, albeit it might have, been a, might have been a free pint at the end of it, you were going to have to wait for it as well. So, I'm not sure I would have bought into that either. I 
it depends what the event is. Like an American football game, it's really part of the culture around mm. those sporting events. Major League Baseball as well. That I've attended a few of those games in the states. Having a beer throughout the game is part of the experience, unless you are a teetotaler, of course. Soccer, rugby, Gaelic uh, games, less so. Firstly. They're, they're shorter experiences. You'd probably end up missing a couple of them. Plus, you'd probably be up and down during the game as well for other reasons if you've taken on one or two too many drinks in the build-up to the game and indeed during the game. So I'm not sure what side of the argument of that I do come down on, but it did look from the pictures to be a, a really weird situation. And look, people love anything for free, don't they? So they're probably willing to get in those queues. Well, just getting back to the Aviva Stadium thing, like I've, I've been through the last three rugby games I was at um, if not more, I thought the atmosphere was absolutely pants. And it seemed like half the people in the stadium were drinking. Um, and the games mightn't have been that competitive. But, Richie, at least I suppose in League of Ireland grounds, like you, you basically, you, you might have a pint in the bar, but then you go and watch the game. And there's none of this kind of messing around you where people are basically getting up out of their seats. It's more like people going up for communion at mass than a football game. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, to Dave's point, it suits like faster games and ones that have less um, obvious stoppages like uh, football and like Gaelic games. Um, you can see why it's less of an impulse to go and get a drink during a game anyway. I know there's kind of a push on for people to be allowed to drink, but within those American sports as well, even like the ones like baseball, you'll see ballparks have people coming down and essentially serving you more or less at your seat. Like we do see this a little bit at, at concerts. I'm surprised it wasn't at um, uh, Liam Gallagher the other night where you see people go around with these like almost like backpacks on their back yeah. where they're able to serve people from them. They've become more of a regular thing in American sporting venues. And I don't see why they couldn't be more prevalent here to kind of, I guess, take away from the up and down nature and disturbing other people during the, the middle of games. Well, um, minor inconvenience, I guess, amongst them all. What did you make of the golf, Dave? Oh, I was brilliant. It was. Uh, I know it's a shortened field, and it's already incredibly rich people playing for even more incredible riches. But um, once you kind of take the money element out of it, I just thought the fact that McIlroy was chasing down the leader that this was the world number one and the reigning Masters champion that was scuppering a six-shot lead, but then dug in again on the back nine to stay in the competition. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I really enjoyed it. McIlroy holds some big putts. Uh, it rolled his luck, particularly in the last three holes, where two or three really good breaks went his way. And it caps what was an average season, turns it into a, a very good season for McElroy. I think he's back up into the top three in the world rankings. It's his third FedEx Cup. Winning three times in the wraparound season is as good as you could have done, I guess, without winning the major. But he'll look back in the form that he showed in the majors, and he'll certainly feel at least two of those got away from him. PJ Championship, and in particular, the Open Championship. So a good season by his standards. He really needs to cap it with a major next season, though. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it last night. And it's um, there's an awful lot of argument about this structure of the Tour Championship and this handicap system that they enter the tournament with. I don't know if there's a better way on the table in terms of what might be coming down the tracks over the next couple of years. So, for me, it does give everybody in the field just about an opportunity, particularly if the leader is throwing shots away like he did on the front nine last night. And it's what the PGA Tour needed as well on the back of what's been a really difficult 12 months or certainly four or five months around Live Golf. Yeah, we'll talk to Lawrence Donegan. Um, it's actually coming up after the news round um, about these issues in golf. But just just on that, I'm, I'm looking forward to asking him about the you know the atmosphere at the BMW PGA Championship because I presume there has to be tension between Roy McIlroy and these players that he's essentially, I don't know if you want to say ostracised, but he's, he's basically heavily criticised him and rightly in my opinion. Yeah, he did say that it would be a very weird experience teeing it up, but I think it's 18 to 20 of the Live Golf 
guys are going to be at Wentworth for this PGA Championship. So, look, I'm not sure there will be any outward frostiness if they are being paired together, for example. I think pros just tend to go about their business. There might be some interesting press conferences. Um, Lee Westwood was pretty vocal last week in his opinion on the new structural system changes that are coming into the PGA Tour from next season and how he pretty much thinks that they've just ripped off the the blueprint that Live Golf have produced over the last six months. So there might be some interesting pre-tournament stuff. I'd be surprised if there's any needle on the golf course and if if it's obvious that certain players being paired together aren't getting on. That would surprise me. But look, let's hope we get a little bit of drama on the golf course as well. <laughs> Sorry, Richie, this this is not this may or may not be in the news round because it's literally come through, but like how many more like heavyweights are gonna join Como um where obviously Liam Kerrigan has gone <laughs> Terry Henry has just joined him as a shareholder. What what is going on here? Um, did I did, was there a piece that you did recently yourself and Dan saying that Dennis Wise is involved? Yeah, Dennis Wisey, yeah. Big Wisey. Yeah. So I don't know what he's done to convince uh, Terry Henry to get on board. They seem to have notions above their station, which is admirable if you want to get out of Serie B, uh, which can be a bit of a shark tank at the best of times. Um, and they're looking upwards. I. They want to bring a bit more attention to the club and, and they've done just that with the uh, addition of Liam Kerrigan. Um, and also, no, I guess the Cesc Fabregas signing is, is the big one and getting Thierry on board. I think Thierry might be involved in a few clubs now. But yeah, it's uh, they're, they're ones to keep an eye on. Serie B suddenly become an area of interest for Ireland, which is great. Looking at uh, Aaron Connolly stuck uh, with a bench roll again last night for Venezia at the weekend for Venezia and getting booked after coming on too. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting season there. How was your weekend? Uh, quiet, quiet, a lot of gardening involved, a lot of uh, getting ready for the return to school and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, you've really changed. You're just Not even on gardening leave, just gardening. Just actually gardening, yeah, doing the weeds, doing the grass. It's an exciting life, John, I'm not going to lie to you, it's an exciting life. There's a lot to be said for, uh, you know, the, the wise and simple man, uh, as Yates would say. What have we got in the news round? Uh, we'll start with the big transfer news of the day. Shamrock Rovers have confirmed that Andy Lyons has agreed to join English Championship side Blackpool. However, the 22-year-old won't make the move until January, following the conclusion of Rovers' domestic and European campaigns. Lyons moved from Bohemians to Rovers just in January of this year, scoring eight goals and 32 appearances so far. Rovers say they've accepted a significant fee for the Republic of Ireland under-21 internationals. believe that fee is in around quarter of a million euro and could rise as high as 300,000. While Dundalk can turn up the heat on Rovers tonight at the top of the SSE Electricity Premier Division, they have made the trip to the showgrounds to face Sligo Rovers. Derry City are away to Shelburne and there's a Dublin derby at Daily Mount with Bohemians up against St. Pat's. All of those games kicking off at 7.45. Did you see this Andy Lyons transformation to marauding uh, left wing-back who scores goals roughly uh, sort of at the level that a striker would when he went <laughs> from both Rovers? Like, I have to say, Richie, I did not. I couldn't believe they were playing him on the left for one thing. Never saw it. Um, yeah, I, I, what, what have you made of it? I'm open to correction. I think he might have done a little bit of it at under-21 level for Ireland. Mm. Um, that ring certainly rang a bell when I first saw him lining out there at the, at the start of the season. The amount of goals he scored this season is like one in every four games. It's just a remarkable strike rate. He is an exceptional uh, fullback for the League of Ireland. Like He's almost ready-made. Like When you look at the, the path he's taken to go to Blackpool, uh, it's almost reminiscent of, of Seamus Coleman in a way, given his loan there uh, at the start of his Everton career. I, I just hope it's the right environment for him um, because he does have all the talents to make it. He's an exceptionally mature 22-year-old in the way that he plays football and the way that he sees the game. 
and it's another great bit of business for Rovers, but they have seen their squads, and will, well, obviously not until January in this case, but they have seen their squads chipped away of these uh, decent players like Danny Mandrew and Andy Lyons over the course of the last 12 months. And I'm not saying it needs refreshing, but you know they, they will have suitors for their other younger players that we saw coming through last week, like Justin Ferzai, Made a magnificent impression, I thought. Oh, what a, what, a, what a performance. Uh, Adamo Maku as well. I don't think will be long for this league. He'll probably have admirers from from beyond. So it's just continuing this trend that we have at the moment whereby our young talent will uh, shine briefly on the domestic stage and then have to head abroad because there's big money coming their way. I, I somehow missed um, Johnny Lyons, who is actually his uncle. Um, yeah. And did you know him, Dave? I did. I would have had a few dealers with Johnny over the years. Yeah, I, uh, I had no idea of the connection either, mm. Johnny. So um, wherever wherever the late great Johnny is at the moment, I'm sure he's. Uh, I'm sure he'll be pleased by the the progress that that his nephew has made because it's really. Oh, I know what a story! Guys, yeah, for you guys, you, it probably hasn't come from nowhere. But for guys who aren't as well versed with all things League of Ireland as and many of the rest of us are, it, it is somewhat of an overnight sensation. But his his goal record, if that's something he can continue when he steps up and level, it's it's going to be the case where he has to be a fixture in any team when you can produce that sort of return from that position. And look, it's another enhancement of the options that are potentially available to Stephen Kenny over the next uh, few months or so because he's every month goes by there's two or three more players playing at a better level get, playing, getting an opportunity to play in front of bigger crowds with a bit more regularity aside from maybe the Shamrock Rovers players who are well used to that now but um, there are more Irish guys playing their trade now at, at championship level and that, that only bodes well for the short to medium term future of the international side and you don't, what's, what was intriguing as well Dave in the, in, in the games in Europe when Ferrugia is playing they play Ferrugia who's very very left footed on the right and they play Lions who's very right-footed on the left and it is a kind of an evolution almost within League of Ireland football yeah well it gives you different options doesn't it particularly when the player is comfortable enough to be able to cut in off that side and he has the ball on his strong side then and he can either whip a ball in or he can try and stick the ball into the top corner if you're looking to get early balls into the penalty area depending on who's playing up front for you it's a little more difficult because they're not as comfortable getting to the end line and whipping it in with their weaker foot so look you just have to pick your poison with that regard but we are seeing it at every level in particular in the Premier League with players who are playing down the left hand side and right footed because it does give the full back of a an option to overlap on the outside and that allows the guy with the ball so a Raheem Sterling for example coming in off the left to cut in on the underlap on the inside and then he has several options available to him then we're seeing it it's more and more prevalent now as you say uh, The News Round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day While, while we're with you today just on the Ireland centre-back situation you saw Collins yesterday for Wolves a lot of good reports about Omar Bamadeli as well so um, a lot of green shoots I would have said anyway yeah, it was, uh, it was a decent afternoon for Nathan Collins yesterday. He did get away with one really poor mistake where he was bailed out by Ruben Neves. He had an absolutely stunning game as a Wolves captain yesterday and he capped it with that brilliant goal. But overall, he just he plays like a guy who's several years older than he actually is. He doesn't look like a defender who's only still really got a handful of Premier League games under his belt and is still in his early 20s. He seems to have developed a pretty good understanding with Max Kilman in the early days of his Wolves career. And they are a side that gives up very few goals their issue is that they just can't score at the other end I think they've scored three goals now in four Premier League games and they've only managed to keep one clean sheet so that's a major problem for them but defensively Wolves look as solid as they did when Connor Cody was kind of doing the business for them and um, 
Awabadeli, he's just started the season brilliantly in the championship. And we just go back again to what we just said about lines, like the amount of options if he keeps these players fit that Stephen Kenny will have available to him next month or later in the uh, autumn. It's it, it's going to be difficult for him to pick his best starting 11, albeit no matter who's fit, Nathan Collins will be in that 11. Yeah, couldn't agree more there. It's a couple of texts here, Richie. Have limited knowledge of American football. Watch the entire game. It was incredible on so many levels. My big regret, though, is that I did not intend the game and grab some of the free beer and nosh. Lucky sods. Richie's got a fair point about most sports, but surely not for a bloody college football game. So what other point is there to go to that rubbish, Richie? <laughs> uh, free beer, I, I suppose. Pick your poison, I think. Yeah, free beer, I guess. People, like, I, I've always admired the way people who will attend American football get matches that take place abroad and mm. they go just through sheer love of the game and that's um, evident through the different jerseys that you'll see dotted throughout like, the game. Like I remember seeing pictures from the games that they stage in London and in Tottenham Stadium or prior to that in Wembley and it'll be like, you know, the Chargers against the Packers but there'll be people there in 49ers jerseys and Giants jerseys and, uh, you know, Houston Oilers jerseys, whoever you're having yourself and I think the same was evident at the Aviva on Saturday it has such a loyal fan base American football in this country yeah. uh, that people will attend any opportunity to see it played at such a such a high level and college football is a high level you only have to see the buy-in that there is for it that's like covered on that that basically takes in your entire Saturday on sports TV in the States so yeah, it's it's massive over there, and we got to get a sense of it this weekend. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be brought to the Giants Stadium a couple of times when I was younger for Giants or Jets games, and you know, it's just American football is really well suited to watch a game live because you don't have the breaks don't feel as bad because you can kind of chat and just the I don't know the experience of a forty yard pass something like that. It's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty cool to be there. Uh, what else we got, Richie? Uh, the other end of the financial scale from the Lions move, Anthony has arrived in England as his 100 million euro move from Ajax to Manchester United nears completion. The Brazilian winger will undergo a medical this evening before putting pen to paper on a five-year contract with the option of a sixth. The fee involved is the largest ever for a player from the Eredivisie. United have also agreed a loan deal with an option to buy for Newcastle goalkeeper Martin Dubravka. What else do we have? Uh, Rory McIlroy overturned a six-shot deficit to claim the Tour Championship last night and with it, a cheque for $18 million. Scotty Scheffler had started the final day at Eastlake in pole position, but three bogeys in his first six holes saw him surrender the initiative to McIlroy. Despite also bogeying the first, McIlroy rallied to card a final round of 66, ending the weekend on 21 under par and a shot clear of the field. The new world number three was asked about his overtaking Scheffler last night. I didn't really give myself much of a chance going out in, 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 the, in the final round there. You know, my focus was to try to get within three of Scotty going into the back nine. That sort of happened pretty quickly. And then, you know, I had a terrible shot into the first hole and made bogey, but didn't lose any ground because, you know, Scotty three-putted that first. So, you know, it was sort of a slow start for both of us. But then I, I sort of kicked it into gear and, and made some nice birdies after that. And, yeah, you know, as I said, I think, you know, once I got to the back nine and we were tied... You know, then it's then it's a different mindset. You have to reframe. You know, you have to think about things a little differently. And you know, I played a I played a good back nine. I didn't play a great back nine, but I held a couple of really crucial putts at the right time, especially that long one across the fifteenth green. And then getting that little stroke of luck on sixteen. And those are the th- sort of things that you need to happen to to win golf tournaments, especially when you're when you're starting the day six shots back. Texting on that day, Rory never gets enough credit for what he's achieved in the game. Another incredible win last night. No Irish person can compete with what he's done in a globally popular sport. 
Yeah, look, there will always be the Rory haters out there. I never quite understand it. I mean, he's won 21 times now in the PGA Tour, a four-time major champion. The standards he set in 2014 in particular were just so unbelievably high that he has been held to them since that time. And that makes it easy for people to bash him when he hasn't won a major for eight years. And really, realistically, until 2022, wasn't contending in any of the majors. Went reasonably close in the Masters in 2018, but wasn't really a threat on the Sunday and had a couple of sniffs at the Open in the meantime. But generally, he hasn't been relevant in the majors until this year. And to shut those sort of people up, he may need to go and win one or two more majors. But what he's done for the game globally, what he's done for the game in Ireland, I mean, this guy single-handedly saved the Irish Open from extinction. And I don't think people have really ever given him enough credit for that. When he chose not to play in this year's competition, there were people ready to line up and have a pop at him. But if anyone had put enough credit in the bank to not attend their home Open, it was probably him. You would hope that he will be able to play in years to come. But I always love watching him play. He's the one player now that Mickelson has kind of not only into his 50s but has also blotted his coffee book reputation wise now the Tiger's not really on the scene he's the one player that moves the needle that you will stop and ensure that you're in front of the TV whenever he's playing yeah I think there's probably plenty of merit to that texture although calling golf a globally popular sport I think um, is clearly uh, not not true but uh, what else we got tonight Richie? Uh, Jessica Zhu says Thursday's World Cup qualifier with Finland is the biggest game ever for the current Republic of Ireland squad. Win over the Finns will secure a playoff spot for Vera Pau's side and West Ham midfielder says they are relishing the pressure of the occasion. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try uh, try get a starting position. Um, I feel like coming back now from West Ham has kind of given me a bit more confidence coming from the professional environment, and um, I think playing against Georgia too kind of helped me confidence-wise. And yeah, I'm gonna knuckle down now and try get my starting position in there. And to beat Finland, I know it would be an absolute dream, I'm sure, because Vera Pau has described this as it's, it's a final, she said. Yeah, I think it's our biggest game that we've ever played. All of us, uh, we've got a sellout in Tallaght, which has never happened before. We're also one point ahead of Finland in the group, so the pressure could be on us a bit more. But like I've said, uh, Finland are kind of coming into it too. I know they were in the Euros and lost, their, lost yeah. all their games and they have a new manager too, but that can also be a positive for them, bringing in a new manager. But... Yeah, like I've said, three points and nothing less. Yeah, as Jessica says, that game is sold out. We'll be giving away a couple of free tickets so later on in the show, Richie. Yeah, is our own Ashling O'Reilly asking the questions there. Meanwhile, Andy Murray is through to round two at the US Open. The 2012 champion beat Francisco Serendolo 7-5-6-3-6-3. That's the first time since 2017 that Murray has won a straight sets match at a grand slam. Defending men's champion Daniel Medvedev is two sets to love up at the moment on his opponent, which is Stefan Kozlov of the United States. That game is now in the books. Medvedev through to round two in straight sets. Roberto Bautista Agut is the first men's seed to fall the 16th seed, losing in three sets this evening to JJ Wolf. Women's third seed Maria Sakari through to round two, following a three-set win over Wimbledon semi-finalist Tatiana Maria. And later tonight, the 23-time Grand Slam champion Serena Williams begins her valedictory lap against the world number 80, Danka Kovinic. Where does Serena, um, what's her place in the, the pantheons of greats in tennis in general, Richie? Uh, the best ever, I would say. Um, certainly in the female game. I, I think I mentioned this point before. I don't think it's probably fair to look back purely at the numbers game that is uh, the number of Grand Slams, the level of impact that she has had. Like you talk about on a global level, she's come from a fairly disadvantaged area and mm. being from Compton and managed to become possibly the preeminent female sports star in the world 
uh, and doing it while playing tennis and doing it with a longevity that I don't think we're going to see again in that sport. And at least if we do, it'll be a couple of decades before we possibly notice that she's right at the top uh, for me. And it's not from a position of I'm not the biggest Serena fan myself. Why not? And there are probably reasons behind it. Um, I've never, like you don't have to be a fan of somebody to admire what they do and to admire their success and to recognize their success and that's certainly the case there but they'd be like personality issues and abrasive other bits and pieces can be yeah certainly can be uh, disrespectful to opponents on occasion as well and picking and choosing her you know schedule towards the latter end of her career uh, to work in her favor when others won't be necessarily in the position to do so is uh, pretty advantageous but regardless uh, certainly the best female tennis player of all time dave uh, we'd need several hours to just debate the whys and the wherefores over who's the greatest men's or women's singles player of all time. Look, statistically, in the open era, she is the greatest. The longevity is unbelievable. Like, it's 23 years since she won her first Grand Slam, and she's still going strong and looking for another that would take her to level with Margaret Court in 24. But I think when Richie talks about disrespecting opponents, that one instance where she really took the sheen off the victory of Naomi Osaka in the US Open final, I think it was three years ago, that left a bitter taste in the mouth of a lot of people. But um, you can't question her drive, her longevity, the hunger to keep going for as long as she has. And she is now five years without a slam. So it's a real drought. She, in my eyes, wouldn't be one of the favourites going into the two weeks here in New York because she just hasn't been able to get over the line for so long now. But as you say, it's going to be her last US Open, or certainly we're led to believe it will be her last US Open. It would be a crowning glory, unbelievable way to bring the curtain down on her US Open career if she was to win another one, which would be her seventh, 23 years after her first. And Richie, one player off to the AFL and one player potentially going the other way. Yeah, Tipperary football manager David Power has left the door open for Colin O'Reardon to return to the fold with them. The 26-year-old has been forced to retire from Aussie Rills and the Sydney Swans due to a hip injury. Two years ago, of course, O'Reardon helped Tip to win their first Munster title in 85 years while home from Australia. And Tyrone looks set to be without Conor McKenna for next term. It's understood the Eglish forward has committed to a return to Aussie Rills. McKenna, who was part of Tyrone's All-Ireland winning squad last year, previously played with Essendon. Yeah, this is a big one, Dave. It is, and it's just another absentee from the Tyrone squad going into 2023, and we know how many stepped away, maybe not frontline automatic starters after their All-Ireland win last year, but they certainly lacked a depth in their panel when there were five or six players that were really pushing the rest of the players in that Tyrone squad that they didn't participate in, in 2022. And, I mean, it was one of the worst defences of an All-Ireland title that we can remember in the modern era. And to lose Conor McKenna, who was just so instrumental, not necessarily dominating games, but he would come up with big moments, key moments, as he did in the semi-final against Kerry and then in the final against Mayo. I think hats off to him. He's come back almost Canelli style. He's won us All-Ireland and now he's going back to have a second crack at the AFL. I hope it works out for him because they obviously see something in him and the reports to be believed there are several clubs that are eyeing him up and maybe looking to convince, convince him to put pen to paper on a deal with them. But another huge blow for Tyrone. Got time for one more. Maybe the Aubameyang story, which is mad stuff. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Barcelona striker Pierre-Eric Aubameyang has been attacked and robbed by masked men who broke into his home last night. Spanish authorities have told local media that at least four men entered the property, allegedly with firearms and iron bars. Barcelona have confirmed the incident. They say Aubameyang and his wife are doing well. The Gabon striker is expected to join Chelsea this week. Thanks for your time, Dave. Thanks, guys. Uh, prediction tonight, Richie and Dalier? 
Scoreless, Johnny. Score. It's not, it's not going to be score. I'm going for a Pats win, but um, you just never know what bows this season. They win pretty much as as often as they draw and as often as they lose.